1: This is a Dude Studios production. And hey, I'm the dude.
0: Hi, this is Molly from the page Molly Shakes It Up, and you're listening to Hey Bartender Podcast. Hey Bartender.
1: Part of the anyway, you comfortable? you ready?
0: Alright, really cool.
1: So, we'll just get things started here. Hey, Molly, uh, thank you so much for joining Hey Bartender Podcast. How are you doing?
0: I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it.
1: Where are you at right now?
0: Uh, I live in San Diego, in California.
1: And uh, You said it's cold
0: up there? No, it's just my apartment's cold. I'm a baby. It's probably only like 50 miles. <laughs> <more. laughs> probably only 60 degrees. I'm just a baby, so... Um, Yeah,
1: my toes are all cold. So, well, uh, Texas, I'm I'm out here in West Texas, and uh, we're getting ready for a pretty bad cold snap in the next day or two. And uh, anytime a cold snap happens out here in Texas, they practically want to shut the state down because you know up to a half inch of snow. We're like, oh my god! But that what happened with that gridlock that the other year? What's that?
0: when you guys have lost power, is that what happened with that big grid loss that you guys had a few
1: years ago, a uh, year ago? Yeah, pretty much. But anyway, so you're, you're in San Diego right now. So, um, uh, thank you so much once again for become, coming on Hey Bartender podcast. This is, uh, this is awesome. I've been following your TikTok videos for a while and your, uh, Instagram. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, uh, who you are and, uh, what you do. Sure.
0: Um, so I have been in the restaurant industry since I was about 18. Um, technically, my very first job out of high school, I lifeguarded and I taught swim lessons and it was terribly boring. Um, I had a friend that worked at Starbucks, and so I loved working at Starbucks when I was like 18 to 21. And then from there, I've just worked in the restaurant industry. I grew up in Las Vegas, so it stemmed from just taking it till I made it. So I worked um, on the strip in restaurants and then I was tired of living in Vegas so I moved out to San Diego I just saved up my money I moved here without a job and just made it happen and um, I got a couple fine dining jobs uh, serving and then I moved on to bartending pretty quick but I was always interested in bartending and wanted to do it ever since I worked at Starbucks I always kind of wanted to bartend like I was making coffee on some level and I wanted to make drinks on a different level and just kind of expand my skills I, you know I always like to drink Um, so yeah I I just uh worked in restaurants forever and I tried to do a couple day jobs in between and honestly they were just terribly boring a a regular schedule like a nine to five is just not for me and it never will be for me um and so I was at the last place I worked it was this fancy like upscale Mexican restaurant here in San Diego and um I was getting tired of it in general, but then after COVID happened, it was just a nightmare. It was just constant drama. Every day was something different. They had like fired my old managers and hired new ones. And it was just every single day. It was like something else of some bullshit going on. And and, in some, whatever, I left crying multiple times, which I'm not even much of a crier. I'm pretty low key. Mm. And I was just left so many days pissed, but. In the best way, because it really pushed me to do my own thing. Um, So I created my own bartending business. And I I saw some people making cocktail videos. And I was like, God, those are terrible. And they don't know what they're doing. And, you know, I still don't know what I'm doing. But (laughs) I think at minimum, I have some knowledge at some point, like, it's definitely been a lot harder than I thought it was. Like in the beginning I was like, I could do that. Mm. And trying to learn how to edit videos when I'm kind of an idiot with electronics has been a challenge, but I'm like learning as I go and like a whole bucket attitude. And, you know, some days I get really like unmotivated and I don't want to do stuff. And then I think about getting a bartending job again. And I'm like, Oh fuck. No, (laughs) (laughs) I'll make some videos. (laughs) I'll work on some content. No, don't make me go back there. <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm even though I'm not at a bar, I'm always trying to keep up with trending stuff, with cocktail things, with, you know, things like garnishes that are trending or, you know, up-and-coming things that are kind of in the bar world and, and stuff. And so now I do brand ambassador work for CW Spirits, which is basically an online liquor company so it's like a liquor store online. They have everything you want. Um, and so they send me some random bottles. That's a lot of fun, though. Like, um, I made this cocktail with uh, ginger liqueur that they sent me. Uh, it's called Barrows Intense Ginger. So it has a really nice spice to it. Um, and then they also recently sent me a Humboldt Vodka, which actually is a hemp-infused vodka. Ooh. Uh, so Humboldt County is here in San Diego. And it was one of the biggest like, weed distributors in the US, you know, essentially when the cannabis industry is becoming popular, like Humboldt County is known for their mountains, cheese and, uh, you know, weed. Yeah. So, Yeah. And so they wanted to make it like a gin, but gin, you have to distill it with juniper berries. And so... They, they did a hemp-infused, but they kept it as a vodka because they didn't want to use juniper berries. They just want to kind of do the hemp infusion, and it's really cool. So, like, random stuff like that, I kind of get to work with and promote, and that's really fun. So, so now after starting my own business, you know, I do the brand ambassador work. I make my TikTok videos. And uh, I work on my Instagram and YouTube as well, but there's just so much more growth on TikTok. Like, oh, yeah. you know, I post something, I work on stuff, and I instantly get new followers. And it's just a lot more of a fun, like, up and coming app with younger people. And it's not as, you know, argumentative, I guess you could say.
1: Uh, depending um, and on, then the other thing is Depending, it depends depending on what on which, you post or, you know. Yeah,
0: right. Which side of TikTok you go on. A yeah. little controversy, you never know, heard anybody with, with <laughs> comments and likes. But, uh, um, yeah, so then uh, I work events as well. So now I have my own bartending business and I just bartend events. So, um, whatever I have coming up, whatever they want, um, I work, you know, weddings funerals, parties, anything like that. And I got brought on by this event space here in San Diego. It's in a great central part of town called North Park. I mean, the area is North Park. The event space is called Vasa and it's this really cute little mom and pop event space. Um, that holds about two to three hundred people, depending on the event and what they want. But it's it's so cute and they're so nice to me and uh, they treat me so well. So I'm their beverage director now and I run the bar program there. And I'm working on setting up live cocktail classes there in person. And then you know right now I'm doing the live cocktail classes on TikTok every day. I mean every Thursday at. At 5 p.m. Pacific time, so I'm trying to do all these different things that I can, and and just have fun with it, really. Well, that's great. But, yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, um. Before we get too far into the show, though, uh, I like I do to all my guests, uh, mm-hmm. I make them give a drink special if they've been in the, been behind the bar. Now, if yeah. you please, uh, uh, if you would please give us a uh, drink special for this particular episode.
0: Yeah. So like I said with the um, T.W. Spirits, how they sent me the fun liquor. So I wanted to combine them into one drink. And then I also have this really fun book called The Flavor Matrix. And it's basically a book that was created food-wise. And um, basically what happened was they had put in, especially with like the old computer stuff, they had put all these flavors and They put all different kinds of food and everything into a computer, essentially. And a computer matched up flavors based on how well they work together. So some of the pairings are stuff that we know. And some pairings are super odd. Um, So since I had the ginger and the hemp-infused stuff, I I looked at my book, and it says that parsley goes really well with those flavors. So essentially, I used my hemp-infused vodka, which is really vegetal. It smells like celery. So I used one and a half ounces of the Humboldt vodka. I used three quarters of an ounce of ginger liqueur. I muddled in some parsley. I did about a an ounce and a half of lemon juice. And then I did an ounce of simple syrup. So I shook it up and then I poured it as a little martini and I did a lemon garnish and a sprig of parsley.
1: So, well, unfortunately the people on, uh, that are listening to this podcast can't see the drink, but it looks like a great presentation. <laughs> but uh, how does it taste? As she takes a sip. <laughs> right?
0: No, it's delicious. Um, yeah, it has, I mean, the citrus is really nice. It balances like the herbaceous and the vegetal qualities from, you know, the, the spice of the ginger and that kind of vegetal flavor and the herbaceous from the, the parsley, you know. It, and, you know, parsley kind of gets a clean flavor anyway. So it's actually really nice and, and citrusy and clean. So
1: I dig it. Yeah, it's, it, makes, it sounds great. <laughs> Uh, well, like I tell everybody, if you uh, go ahead and try that drink and you try to make it on your own, let us know what you think about it. You can either email me dude at Hey Bartender Podcast or contact yep. uh, Molly uh, on her Instagram page. Molly Shake. Uh, what was your Instagram? Yeah
0: Molly, yeah. Molly shakes it up. Yeah. shakes
1: it up on Instagram. Yeah. Uh, if you try it, go, uh, let us know what you thought about it.
0: Yeah, please do.
1: So anyway, Molly, uh, you've given us a good history of you, yourself so far, and uh, but uh, you've Started from being a bar, uh, barista, and you've moved up to making your uh, making your own business and doing your own thing, which I find extremely admirable. Yeah. Um, Thanks, it, uh, because like uh, I, I still miss bartending. This is half the reason why I started this podcast. I haven't bartended for quite a while now, but I, uh, but getting to meet bartenders and find out their stories, and plus, uh, you know, their struggles going up to. Uh, they you know where they're comfortable right now because everybody I've talked to they're very comfortable with how their lives are going some people uh enjoyed leaving bartending some people in, still enjoy bartending and can not picture another life for themselves which I think is very cool but so let's start uh from the very uh from the beginning uh you started out working uh working as a barista for Starbucks now what mm-hmm. what was the uh what made you decide i'm um, uh to go start working at a starbucks
0: um you know when I had my little lifeguarding job i just I, I it was so boring to me I grew up swimming, so I really do love swimming I still love swimming um I'm a pretty good swimmer, but uh one of my managers she got it she was working at Starbucks, and so I was looking to get out of lifeguarding and all that and um so she got me the job there she was like well yeah if you want to come work over here like you know there's a lot more going on whatever and what's funny is actually i grew up mormon so i liked coffee but i knew nothing about coffee <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, nothing about alcohol really um it all just came as i've gotten older and uh and all that kind of stuff but but yeah i mean i always i've, I've always been more money motivated like i never really thought like, Oh, I'm so passionate about work with this or that. You know, I'm always just like, how can I make more money? Mm -hmm. So when I worked at Starbucks and it's still one of the busiest jobs I've ever had, it was actually a great learning experience for me when I was, you know, 18, 19, 20, because we were like the third busiest Starbucks in Las Vegas. So we had constant people.
1: Where was it looking?
0: It was in the in the Henderson area, it was right off the freeway. Oh. Um, it was off a busy intersection off of a road called Eastern and the 215 right next to a big gym. So we were so busy all the time, you know, and uh, the drive through was always going and people are assholes. If they haven't had their coffee yet. So <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. You know, I just learned a lot about how to deal with people when I, from a young age, like, people just screaming at you for no reason you're like bitch I'm 18 like (laughs) you know wild, uh, in a good way and uh, I learned a lot and I learned a lot about just coffee and flavors and that was the first time I learned how to how to taste and everything like when you taste different coffees and you got to learn about acidity and everything so that really helped when I went into wine tasting and then other just foodie kind of stuff and I've always been into it and so now I feel like I finally realized in talking about passions, like, Ooh, I don't even know what my passion is. Then I realized like I could talk about food and cocktails all day. You yeah. know, I love talking about restaurants. I love talking about food. I'll do explore places and, and I geek out over that stuff. And so that's kind of where, where it went to with my business. Like I, I tried, like I said, I tried to work a couple of day jobs and they were so miserable, that I went back to bartending and, Part of me was just like, how can I stay somewhat connected to the industry, but not just be a bartender, you know, Yeah. and how can I monetize that and figure it out? And so that's kind of what I'm doing. So I still work events and technically I'm still bartending, but I mean, I would love to get bigger and be able to have my own bartenders to, you know, hire out for those events. So, you know, I'm just breaking it in and I don't actually have to bartend those events anymore, but that'll come with time.
1: Did, so. uh, was your uh, experience at Starbucks, your first, uh, head in experience with customer service?
0: Technically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I live I taught swim lessons, so I kind of had to deal with parents and kids, but yeah. eh, it wasn't that bad. Yeah. You know, it wasn't that
1: bad. It was back um, when you worked at, hard. back when you worked at Starbucks, was the whole pay it forward thing, uh, a thing yet or.
0: Yeah, they did it sometimes. It was usually around Christmas. It was cute. Um, Honestly, I really like that job. Starbucks is a really great company to work for. Now, I a, uh, they gave you a lot of benefits, and you've got a lot of good stuff.
1: I've got a uh, question that's been on my mind since I first heard about the pay it forward thing, and then we'll move on uh, a little bit. But um, the whole pay it forward thing, what if you're uh, the person that comes up uh, and the uh, and the register uh, person says the uh, the person in front of you paid for your drink, and then you think, well, I've got to pay for the next person, and all you got was... Oh, fra- caramel Frappuccino, but the other guy just bought uh, coffees for his whole office behind him. Now, yeah. do they? Do the customers feel bad, or say just say never mind, thank you? Or
0: sometimes, I mean, usually it it kind of depended on the person, but eventually, yeah, it would stop at some point. Or sometimes somebody would just go, "Cool, thanks," and just drive off. Mm-hmm. So that would end it too. But I mean. You know, honestly, if that was me in the drive-through, depending on the week, I might be more feel more generous or not generous as well. Mm. Um, but this was also, God, like 15 years ago, so <laughs> I'm, 30, I'm 35 now, so <laughs> it was a long time ago. So it wasn't. We didn't have the apps yet. We didn't have any of that stuff. And, yeah. but uh, but, I mean, yeah, it definitely happened. It might happen more often now because it's been more popularized on social media, but.
1: Yeah, uh, everybody talks about it now on social media. So you you moved on from uh, working as a barista and moved to restaurants. Now, you said you you lived in Las Vegas, so uh, what kind mm -hmm. of restaurants did you uh, work at? Did you work at the casinos or did you... uh,
0: Yeah, I worked at the casino. So, uh, well, the first, after I worked at Starbucks, I had a friend that worked at Cheesecake Factory, so I got a job. That was my first restaurant job at the Cheesecake Factory. And that was the first time I really had my eyes open to the restaurant industry, though. Like, um, you know, in the, and I was 20, 21, barely. Um, and uh, I just remember my first time going to Cheesecake Factory, you know, and this was, I remember too, this was 15 years ago when the Cheesecake Factory was still, you know, pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they had their jazz music playing in the lounge and, and we walked into the back as employees, and, uh, and then the uh, like the Mexican music was blaring in the back, <laughs> and I just remember being like, "What?" You know, and um, literally, that's every single restaurant I've ever worked at since then. You know, there's always some kind of a banda or or some kind of Latino music in the back, Hispanic music, and that's that's my life now. You know, that's mm-hmm. what it is.
1: Yeah. Uh, back <laughs> like, in my one of my first experiences in the restaurant industry, I was a dishwasher. And, uh, well, it go, I go back further than that, but when I, when I was a dishwasher, I would bring mixtapes with my music on it because, uh, mm-hmm. I was tired of what the cooks were listening to and mm-hmm. every once in a while, uh, you know, and mine was full of rock and roll uh, you know, I've got okay. cheap trick. I got the Beatles, I got Metallica, you know, mm-hmm. and, uh, but then every once in a while, somebody would come down and try to change the, change my music. And I said, Hey. I'm the dishwasher. Yeah. I'm down here by myself majority of the day. Leave that thing alone. And, yeah. And but For sure. Uh, yeah,
0: I mean, I mean, I think that's an unwritten restaurant rule. The dishwasher calls the shops, man, because no one wants that job.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. I
0: felt that. Yeah, the dishwasher gets the meals. The dishwasher gets extra stuff. The dishwasher gets the choice of music, because nobody wants to do the dishwasher job.
1: Yeah. Uh, it, yeah,
0: that's an industry standard for
1: sure. <laughs> it sucked down, uh, down in the hole where I was uh, doing dishes, and I sure. honestly didn't last that long just because I couldn't balance work and school at the same time. Uh, totally, because dishwashing you go really late into the night. But, <laughs> um mm-hmm.
0: Oh yeah.
1: But uh, so you got your job at the cheesecake factory. Did you start out as a waitress oh, yeah. there? Um. No, I actually
0: did cashier to go stuff so I worked in a little bakery but it ended up it was a cool job though because I was like 20 and I had barely turned 21 Um, but it was a good job because I made a decent hourly and and made tips and I still lived with my mom at the time so I was actually kind of raking it in And I had kind of newly turned 21. So, and I live in Vegas, and I had met some girls um, that I worked with at Cheesecake Factory that were also like newly 21. And so we used to go out partying a lot, and then we'd stay out till four or five in the morning and, you know, be all crusty going into the Cheesecake Factory doing our stuff for lunch and be like, oh. And the little baker lady, Gabby, who I worked with, was the sweetest, the sweetest lady. You know, I'd be like, Gabby, I'm hung, I'm hungover," and she'd be like, "Oh, honey, honey, I got you," and she'd make me some little concoction. <laughs> and <laughs> you know, I'd be all hungover, and oh, Gabby. She
1: had her own hangover uh, yeah, cure.
0: Then, <laughs> yeah, exactly. A little, <laughs> a little Mexican hangover cure, and it was perfect. Um, and uh, so then uh, I had this psychotic ex-boyfriend, but the one benefit he did was. He got me a job on the strip. So he actually worked ballet at the Luxor and they were building this new restaurant in the Luxor. And so he was uh, meeting these owners that were coming in like every day in the ballet, And so he told them that I served at Cheesecake Factory, which I didn't, um, but it worked out for me because then they were like, yeah, have her come in. And I got the job and uh, it was a great job for me. I mean, I went from making whatever to union benefits on a, on a strip at a restaurant. I and forgot, yeah, you,
1: uh, in Vegas yeah. you have to be union when you work in the restaurant or totally. service. Yeah. But it
0: works out great. Union is, is great out there. I mean, you have so many cool things. Your union dues are like every other paycheck. Well, at the time too, they're only like 40, 45 bucks a month. And you got full coverage health benefits for you and up to three family members. And then you get seniority, and then after a year of working there, you get a week-long paid vacation, and then after another year, you get two weeks paid Mm -hmm. vacation, and then three weeks paid vacation. Like There was just so many cool benefits working there and working on the strip that um, I I honestly had a pretty good job, and I worked there for three or four years, and then um, I loved that restaurant because I opened that restaurant and worked there at, at a Mexican restaurant, and so... Um, that was a good learning experience too and i've always loved mexican food so that really we we did a lot of tequila tastings a lot of food tasting so i learned a lot about mexican food and then i went to a different restaurant called Lavo, and that was at the venetian and that was it's probably still the best restaurant i've ever worked for um it was just it's part of the tau group um and they had the club on top and the restaurant in the bottom it was italian food so I learned a lot about Italian food. And then that was a place where we had weekly wine class. And if you didn't show up to wine class, like I think you were allowed to miss one a month, but you were literally fired if you didn't show up. Oh, wow. And uh, so we did so many cool uh, like wine tastings, liquor tastings, scotch tastings. And that's when I really learned a lot about, you know, the basics of wine and Italian wines and the difference of French wines and everything. So that helped so much. And then I honestly loved my job. I had a great job. And uh, I had a great apartment out there too, like where I was living and all that. But I just didn't like Vegas. And I was in school too. I was going to UNLV and I decided I was, I was going to be an ultrasound tech. I was going to school to be an ultrasound tech. And I was doing some hours at a local, um, like outpatient x-ray ultrasound kind of a clinic. Mm. And I hated it. It was you know, like all of these ladies and, and guys showing up, their eight to fours in their scrubs and their wet hair and a claw clip and their moms and they're just talking about their kids. And, and it just, <laughs> it was just like, Oh, I can't do this in 20 years. Like, this just is not for me, you know, like this whole life. And so, I mean, I quote unquote, dropped out of school, I didn't really drop out of school, I had more intentions of finishing when I figured it out. But I just saved up my money, moved to San Diego, and I found a great apartment, and I still live in this apartment, actually, um, so that was cool, and then I just applied to restaurants. I took like a month or two to find a job and relax and go to the beach, and I found a job at a fine dining restaurant up here. Um, it's called True Luck, and um, I learned how to be a fine dining server because I didn't necessarily have that, you know, stoic <laughs> whatever mentality from Vegas, you know, yeah. Vegas, it was like fast paced and, you know, you had to have some level of service, but yeah, not really. I had to deal with shitheads, you know? So, so
1: um, yeah, this is funny because you're not, the, you're not the first person that's, uh, told me the story that they got a job by lying, which I think is also insanely cool. Uh, like, I, 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 uh, I had a guest <laughs> a while back. She said, uh, she just walked into the restaurant and she said, uh, hi, I'm here for my uh, interview, and she hadn't filled out an application. She never called in. She just walked into the restaurant and said, "Hi, I'm here for my interview." And the boss, I guess, he was like, "I guess I lost your application. Let's sit down and talk." And she ended up getting the job. She admitted it <laughs> to him. She admitted it to him years uh, or sometime later that she. Yeah. But no. uh, but that's awesome. Where uh, oh, uh, your I'm I'm sorry, you referred to him as Psycho X. Uh, or... Uh, <laughs> Uh,
0: yeah, we're just going to skip over that though. <laughs>
1: yeah. Yeah. I won't get too far into that, but he was, uh, he said, Oh yeah, she's a server. And then you managed to get a, oh. get yourself a job. Yep. Working in yep. the strip. That's awesome. It
0: was, fun- <laughs> it, was it was funny is when I met all the other servers that had gotten hired and it's funny now, cause now that I've been in the restaurant industry for so long, it was just casual conversation that people were asking me and I had no, idea. <laughs> I was just fudging my way through it. Like, Oh, and they would be like, "So, what were your like average sales at at you know your last place?" And I'm like, "Um, what were yours?" <laughs> I was like, "Well, okay, you know, I, I did okay. What were yours?" And and they were like, "You know, oh, I I usually average like between a thousand to three thousand a shift." I was like, "Yeah, mine are the same. <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea." And now I'm like, "Oh my god, that's the most basic question you can ask a server. Like, what were your?" what were your sales? What were your tip percentages? And I had no idea. I was just making stuff up and, and, um, I just figured it out, man. But even with other, other experience, you kind of always have to like fake it till you make it and throw a little punch here and there. That's probably one of the
1: most popular sayings in the service industry is fake it till you make it. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Don't let people walk over. You got to have that confidence built in. Even if somebody asks you for a random drink, now it doesn't happen too often, but if you ask for a random drink, you know, you act like you know what you're doing. You go, yeah, of course, I got you. And you go Google it in the back, you right. know. <laughs> well, you don't act like you don't know what it is.
1: Well, before, uh, the, the when I bartended, it was right at the birth of iPhone. And when mm. people w- could only get it from AT&T, and then that one girl on uh, YouTube got a bill that was uh, a stack of papers about two or three inches high, but, uh, but the... You couldn't really do that, uh, but I had a bartender's book behind my bar with me. But the best way I found, to see if you agree with me on this, is when somebody asks me for a particular drink that I might not know, uh, I'd say, how do you make that? Most of the time, they were comfortable with that because they know they're going to get it made right. At least that's what the customer told me. Uh, Because he wanted it particular, you know. But
0: Yeah. You know, I... I do, I've, I've asked that once or twice, but only if somebody gets a little bit particular. But now that I've been bartending for so long, and I think a big part of bartending is literally just figuring out what somebody wants. You know, I don't think a lot of people, I mean, obviously, a lot of people don't necessarily know how to bartend, they just throw stuff together at home. So when they go out, they're, they're kind of like, Oh, I don't know, I'll just, I guess I'll get this, because they don't really know any better. So Part of my job is like, you know, sleuthing your way into finding out what they what they actually like and what they actually drink, you know.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And um, you just kind of have to figure it out and build your recipe according to that. You know, sometimes they will be like, oh, I don't want any sugar in that. And then you'll kind of dig a little deeper and they do want some kind of sweetener in it. They just don't want it to be fake sugar or overly sweet and you have to make it. And then that's one of my favorite things is when somebody loves one of my drinks that I've kind of made for them. Like I've asked them questions to figure out what they like. I've made them a drink, and then it's almost like I'm like they request me to keep making it because every time they ask somebody else, the bartender doesn't make it right or doesn't do this or they're not, I guess, listening to them. And so that makes me feel good that I'm, you know, that I'm doing it right and exactly how they want it and prefer. And I always, you know, always. Toot my own horn, toot
1: toot. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Boost my bartender ego, uh, and I make the best cocktails. Oh yeah, we all uh, we all do. Just we're all kings of our particular bar that we work behind. No matter you know when mm. I'm behind the bar, this is my bar. You know, totally. But yeah. So, going moving from uh, Vegas to San Diego. Now, the last time I was in Las Vegas, uh, it was maybe. Uh, at, during the conception of this podcast, I was trying to, you know, mold it together, try to figure out exactly what I wanted to do. And I was sitting in the middle of the Luxor, actually, and uh, I was watching the bartender and I was I see the waitresses wandering up and down uh, uh, through the slot machines and past the gaming tables and stuff like that. But there wasn't a lot of people at the bar. Now uh, this was the bar in the center of the Luxor. And I, I was just kind of mm-hmm. thinking to myself, how much, or, you know, does this, uh, do you get a lot of foot traffic going up, uh, coming up to the bar? Do people nest there very often? Or is that, you know, was it just the day of the week that I would happen to be there?
0: You know, it was probably the day of the week. But honestly, they work with so many more tips there. And union-wise, they make good money. And you, you constantly get raises. So as a bartender in Vegas, and you're part of the union, you literally start off, and this was also 15 years ago, so I can imagine that it's higher. You started off at $16 an hour without tips.
1: Oh, for a bartender. Yeah, that's amazing.
0: So it's great. And so you get that, and like I said, and you get the week's paid vacation, and you get health benefits. I mean, you just don't see that in bartending jobs in other places, and that's why you see so many older people in the casinos that stay around. But then the cocktail waitresses, especially in Vegas, I, I mean, I think they still give free drinks while you're gambling. Yeah. So they tip out. And so, you know, you still get the tip out from the cocktail waitresses and this. But, of course, you have some of your slower nights. But the thing about Vegas, too, is you work eight-hour shifts. Part of being in the union is you're going to work eight hours. So you tend to make better money because of that. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's not just going to be a little four-hour shift and then you're cut. Like you're pretty entitled to to work the full eight hours if you want to, you know? Sure.
1: So. Now, uh, yeah. Yeah. It, uh, it just seemed like that there wasn't a lot of traffic going up to the main bar. I mean, there was maybe a group of it women was- or a group of businessmen sitting off to the side, smoking cigars. This is pre COVID, but uh, there wasn't, didn't seem like they had a lot of people coming up to the bar. And I was w- wondering how that worked for the, uh, the bartender working the main right. room, but Oh. No, they
0: would have they would have still made good money. And and the other thing is too, all of those bars kept gaming around the bar. Yeah. And so that always brings in more tips because especially every time when when somebody puts money into the machine at a casino at the bar top, you usually get a free drink. So if you put 20 bucks in the machine, you usually get a comp drink anyways. Mm-hmm. So part of the reason and then people tip more because, you know, you get a comp drink. But also when somebody wins off that machine, they usually tip the bartender because in mm-hmm. gaming sure. in gaming business it's bad luck. It's bad luck if you don't tip the person right. that you won from in yeah. gambling business. So sometimes those bartenders will make a grand off somebody that hit it hit it on the machine. So um, I I think they do well. But yeah. I'm sure they, they get foot traffic and people are probably coming. The best part about that is people are probably just walking up to get a drink and leaving because you can walk around with drinks. Yeah. So that's the other thing that they deal with is they have foot traffic, but they're taking their cocktails to go because you can in Las yeah. Vegas. You don't have to sit at the bar and drink. You can do whatever you want, which is the best part about it.
1: Right. Uh, yeah. Uh, I had a, another guest on the show a long time ago. He said he was a Las Vegas bartender, but uh, he said the most, the one of his customers that stood out in his memory the most, because he lives in a different state now, mm-hmm. was a kid that was freshly twenty one, maybe, and he was getting mm-hmm. uh, Louis the Fourteenth and Red Bull. And I,
2: <laughs> I'm sitting there, yeah,
1: yeah. Uh, when I heard that he was mixing Louis the Fourteenth with Red Bull, I was, oh, oh my god. But, um. But For those that don't know, that's the three hundred
0: dollars shot. Yeah, But he yeah. kept
1: uh, he, one shot. You know, the, as a bartender, he wasn't complaining because the kid was giving him a hundred dollar tip along with Hell the yeah. price of that drink. And no, I
0: wouldn't
1: care. Yeah, no
0: judgment here.
1: <laughs> yeah, judgment goes out the window when you see the tip okay. coming. But I was wondering more about the social aspect because bartenders we uh, have to talk to uh, talk to our customers, entertain our customers. And uh, was did that happen? Does that happen a lot in La- as a Las Vegas bartender?
0: Yeah, it just depends on the person, you know. Sometimes people want to talk, and sometimes people don't. You just, I mean, that's just a part of reading people. But
2: mm.
0: you know, it's it's just a different atmosphere. Like either you're gonna get the people that are there in a group partying, um, or you're gonna get like the single dudes. Like one, of, I mean, geez, the best month in Vegas was like March Madness with all the football, in the basketball months going on oh my gosh just getting groups of dudes that just sit at the bar and they just blow through money because they're in Vegas having a good time you know with their buddies and it's great (laughs) (laughs) like literally March was always a fat month money-wise for me and then January and February are slower months but then you get pockets of really good weeks Um, like I think it might have been like last week was the AVN the porn week they always booked porn week at the same time it's this huge electronic convention so not only do you get the porn people but you get the nerds who have the money and geez i made like five to seven hundred bucks a night like for a whole week you know
1: and it was great nerds and porn in the same uh same room or the same building that had to be chaos (laughs) it was in the best
0: way possible (laughs) yeah i've met i've met a few porn people i've like waited on them you know like you know they just look like especially some dudes you know they just look like regular people i remember one time i met these two canadian dudes that um they were you know i was chatting with them or whatever they were talking to me and and they did like a it was they based it out of canada but they did like a fake taxi thing oh
2: yeah
0: (laughs) and i was like okay (laughs) and the guy was like yeah i'm more of the filmer and the other guy's like i'm the performer and i was like okay i looked it up later and i was like, oh shit! How was that? Cool. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's the <your> dick. <laughs>
1: yeah. You, know, you can't help yeah. but look it up once people tell you stories about uh, things Absolutely. like that. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. But they were nice. They were totally nice. And um, yeah, we had some a couple other porn stars, you know, and they are all. I mean, they're just they're regular people. It's sure. not like yeah, yeah.
1: Um, I was just kind of curious about if there was kind of a culture shock of how the clientele works. Uh, after you've bartended for a few years in ba- Vegas and all of a sudden bartending in San Diego because uh, you don't have the video slot machines to uh, keep their attention. You don't have the all the lights and music and all that totally. stuff. Was it wasn't totally. a huge culture shock?
0: Um, You know what? I wouldn't say with people it was a culture shock because people are still people. You can still like talk to them and they still expect level of entertainment from you at any restaurant you go to you know that you're kind of always the performer you're kind of always on display and making people laugh telling jokes and and doing your thing I would say the bigger the bigger difference was between the attitude of restaurants here and like your managers and and who you're working with like I remember in in Vegas and in the restaurants I worked at, like regular nights we'd have 500 covers, like 500 reservations on the books. And that was like pretty typical. That was a Saturday night or, you know, or if it was a busy Saturday night, it'd be like six to 700 covers, like six to 700 reservations for the whole night. And that was pretty regular. And I remember going to that, like fine dining restaurant in in, here in San Diego. And my manager was like, all right, guys, we got a big night. we got to get our running shoes on. Got 120 on the books, got 120 covers, like it's gonna be busy. And I was literally in pre shift and I threw my head back, laugh, like (laughs) that was a good one. And he was like, What? It's gonna be busy. And I was like, Oh, you think 120 on the books is busy? Oh, that's wild.
2: Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, okay. Oh, cool. Well, I'll just go fuck myself with money then. Yeah. You know, and so now it's a little bit more like, yeah and then he was losing his mind throughout the night like there was a mini rush people were sort of in the weeds and he was losing it and I'm like (laughs) this is hilarious like this guy wouldn't last a fucking week in Vegas like two shifts he'd be like shitting his pants you know (laughs) so it was just kind of funny and then he acted like we made so much money and I'm like I made 180 bucks dude like it's pretty average
1: you know like uh,
0: no, no, dude, it ain't it. It ain't
1: it. Yeah, um, I was just, uh, I was just curious because, uh, you know, Vegas is twenty four seven. People make reservations mm-hmm. any time of day, any time of night, mm-hmm. and uh, but when you're working at a restaurant that's open from ten o'clock till maybe midnight or something like that, and uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's a different dynamic. I mean, I, I would assume. Uh, because I've, totally. made, I've never worked in Vegas. So I honestly don't know. But
0: It is. It is. But it was nice to, it was nice to come work here and not have the late nights. But I mean, it's, it's such a toss up because I made such good money in Vegas working so late and then um, coming here and then working shorter shifts and shorter hours and things close early and, and making less money. But I mean, in Vegas, it was just always entertainment. Like, I, if You know, in hindsight, 2020 and going back, I wish I had started a blog back then
2: mm.
0: because every single night I could have had something silly or something funny to mm. talk about, you know.
1: Yeah. Nicolas Cage and fell down again, night. something like that.
0: <laughs> yeah. Every single night there was something eventful that was going on, like especially when I worked at that other place, Lavo, um, the Italian restaurant. And I said it was part of the Chow group. So We had the restaurant on the bottom and the club was on top. But the restaurant didn't close till 2 or 3 a.m. And so sometimes we'd be there finishing our paperwork and stuff at 3, 4 in the morning. And the security guards were always wheeling some chick out. We constantly had uh, like paramedics in the back that were like always on call for a a club. But literally we were standing in line one night, like uh, waiting to do our paperwork, me and a few of the other servers and bartenders, whatever. We were, you know, you have to wait for the office. And it was upstairs on the club level where the office was. And as we're standing there, we had like a back elevator for some of the employees and that's where they wheel out the drunk people, you know, and the the elevator comes up and the doors open and security guards had been standing with this chick that was drunk, and she fucking face planted right out the elevator. <laughs> like, like we were standing there, the doors open, this bitch goes, <clears throat> and we were like, what the hell <laughs> like, what the fuck just happened and they were like oh shit paramedics ran up and we were just like Dude. and we felt i mean i kind of felt bad but then we were all laughing and like Ooh, yeah yikes But uh, like stuff like that even it's like 3 a.m and you're like oh my god
1: yeah, drunk pe- you know drunk people are so cute so <laughs> <laughs> debatable but um but being able to uh Being able to move wherever you want, relocate, you know, like you said, from Vegas to San Diego, or if you wanted to go anywhere else in the United States and know that you can Mm -hmm. get a job in that field easily. Totally. That's got to be a comforting, comforting feeling. Uh, Yeah, it's great. Like if tomorrow you woke up and you realize, I want to move to Manhattan, you know, you can, uh, you can take your skills if you were still uh, deep into bartending and find a place to work easily there. And Definitely. that's that's got to be a good feeling. And you know, when you got people looking okay. down on you constantly, saying uh, things like, hey, "Do you uh, do you enjoy this job?" Or um, how much money so do you make here? You yeah, uh, yeah. Um. You know, when you got people, and it's like, okay, you're some kind of uh, accountant or something like that. What are the odds that you're going to mm-hmm. get a job tomorrow in another state? You know, uh, right? Because service totally service industry, we can get a job anywhere. And, totally. and you know, if you have this passion to all of a sudden one day to move to Fort Lauderdale and uh, you can, you can easily find a job there because turnover, totally. turnover in the service industry. Uh, unfortunately is pretty high, but it, is fine. Uh, it uh, but was that a comforting feeling when you decided I'm tired of Las Vegas? I'm sick of this stuff. I'm tired of seeing Siegfried and Roy's face on that billboard uh, you know, whatever. Uh, yeah. uh, I, I don't even know if they were performing, uh, still performing when you were living there, but, uh, but, um, so, and you, so you just, uh, did you, how did you decide on San Diego?
0: Um, well, actually I was born here. Oh. And so I was born here. I lived here. We, we were, and I say we, because I actually have a twin sister, but, um, we were little when we moved away from San Diego, we actually moved up to Vancouver to Canada. So, I lived here till I was about six or seven here in San Diego. Then we moved up to Vancouver, Canada from when I was like seven to about 14. So we were there for seven, eight years. And then my freshman year of high school, that's when we moved, we moved to Vegas. And so then I grew up in Vegas. And so my mom, my parents still live out in Vegas. And now my siblings have kind of moved to different cities as well. But um, we would come visit my dad's side of the family is from here. And so we'd come back like every summer or so or come like sporadically to come visit and we come visit my family out here and I just always loved it. And then living in Vegas and growing up in Vegas, you know, I was, al- I was always tired of the desert, like maybe once a month, minimum every six weeks, I was always at- getting out of town, like get me out of this desert, you know, get me out of here. So I would constantly be like booking cheap flights to like San Francisco or, or driving out here to San Diego, LA, Um, I love to go just random beach towns. Like, you know, one time I'd be like, Oh, let's go to Laguna beach. Let's go to Huntington beach. Like, let's check out this beach. And Mm -hmm. we just do like random little weekends with whatever friend wanted to come along. And I loved it. And I just always knew that I wanted to move back to San Diego. But, you know, so many people just always kind of shit on you whenever you tell them your idea, you know, everybody, Oh, it's too expensive. It's too expensive. And uh, Mm -hmm. everybody always says, or with any, with any idea, you know, everybody has an opinion about it. Yeah. And at the time, though, um, in Vegas, when I was working my job, I mean, I made a, I had a good paying job, but I realized uh, I had a roommate, and then my roommate moved out, so I was living alone. And my rent was like a thousand at the time, plus I was covering all of my utilities and everything, so I was probably paying like thirteen or fourteen hundred dollars. And then I realized, like, wait, I can pretty easily pay my bills here. I don't see why San Diego, the bills out there would be that much different with a roommate, maybe two, 300 bucks more, but with, with a roommate, it would be less than what I'm paying now, you know, mm. or like with a roommate, two, three hundred bucks more. Like, I don't see why I couldn't live out there. Like, it was just one of these things. Like what, why am I letting somebody people tell me that I can't do this when I can't. And I just decided and I made it happen. You know, yeah. my lease was going to be up in, in like April, and I was like, well, I'm moving at the end of my lease. Like that, it, it is what it is, and I'm doing it. And I did it. And um, so, yeah, in April, it'll be 11 years that I've, I've lived here. And um, so, yeah, that was cool. That's good. It made me feel good, you know.
1: Yeah. And, uh, awesome. But you, you had that extra confidence and security that you could find a job. There was not going to be yeah. any long period of time where no. you're hitting the streets constantly. And
0: uh, I worked on the script in Vegas, dude. Come on, <laughs> you know. You know, I had, I had. I had three, four or five years of experience at that point working on this trip in Las Vegas. like, And I'm not lying about that. <laughs> yeah. I will say on that time, I'm not lying about my experience. So I knew it was just a matter of time of finding the right fit. And, you know, I had saved up a good amount of money, too. So mm. it was a little bit more about just finding the right fit, about where I wanted to work and, and you know, let it work itself out, I guess.
1: Mm, right. Well that's uh that's really cool. Uh it's just being able to have the confidence and the uh the drive to do in order to do it. Uh mm-hmm. I really respect that. So uh I'm dropping things.
0: Uh No, you're fine. Yeah.
1: So anyway, uh as of uh uh last year, COVID uh COVID nineteen, we had lockdowns, yeah. uh restaurants, stores, pl- everything was shutting down. Uh, economy's gone uh, going down the, uh, the toilet right now I've had num- numerous guests on my show that have moved on to either do other jobs or managed yeah. to use their uh, their skills as a bartender to as other outlet- outlets now you tell me that you have uh, taken your bartending skills and used it t- uh, to teach sort of uh, yeah. pretty much through social media and YouTube and all that stuff when did you come up with that idea?
0: Um, you know, I I'm all I'm kind of a nerd. I'm, I'm a straight A student. I'm actually in school right now. I'm finishing my degree. Um, I'm at SDSU. I don't know. I, I'm always just a nerd with with fun facts and with spreading knowledge, and that's always been my favorite part about training people or. Um, that's why I like working in say Mexican restaurants because I love tequila and I love talking about tequila and I love sharing fun facts but that's also how when I'm bartending one of the ways that I make good money is I talk about tequila and I share things or, or whatever it is like I share fun facts with people and they're like oh wow that's so cool you know she knows a lot of stuff and then they end up liking me and they give you more money you know and so that's something that I like to do or, oh, hey, let's do a tasting of this. Or, hey, do you know about, about this or that or something out, or or whatever it is. And um, so that's another thing. Like when I said I, I saw some people making cocktail videos and I'm like, God, these are so bad. Like they don't even know what they're doing. They don't even know what classic cocktails are. They don't even know how to build this. They're just literally taking recipes and, and making some little cocktail videos, yeah, you know, that I, agree. I feel like. I can train people. So or I I actually know what these things are. I can tell people about it or, or my sister. My sister's always asking questions or she likes to hear about it. And so my sister has a lot of opinions and input about <laughs> what I should be doing or what I what I need to be doing or, or this. And oh, no, talk. But she also has a lot of really good ideas where she'll tell me. You know, talk about this or I, people want to know about this or well this is what I would assume what would you do or and stuff so that that is helpful and so yeah I just try and I try and think like what would somebody else talk about but you know one of the ways that I want to just spread you know all the ways you can monetize things is I, I want to I'm working on making an online like download downloadable training course so that somebody can learn to bartend from home.
1: A master course. And work of sorts. on it.
0: Right. Yeah. Exactly. But in a in a more and I and I really, you know, there's such a bad reputation with bartending schools. You know, like so many people are, oh, you don't have to go, you don't have to go. But I actually did go to bartending school at one so point. Yeah. Because right. I had seen it, I actually saw a group on for it and it was like something cheap like 40 or 50 bucks for like an in-person class and I was like you know fuck it like I'll learn something at the end of the day and I will say I learned some things like some things were very basic obviously but some other things I really learned and some old classic cocktails that we went over that I still like it and it was good to know like in the back of my mind you know, every once in a blue moon when somebody orders a rusty nail or a pink squirrel or some bullshit, I know what that is get of bartending school mm-hmm. and I can whip it up. And so I do appreciate that. But, you know, I want to make my training course more progressive and a little bit more like how to find a job and what you genuinely will need to know and how to work with others and the setup and takedown of bars. Once you... What you need to know, as well as knowing cocktails, and then how to build your confidence and and all that stuff, I guess.
1: Now, is what I'm trying to with all this knowledge of uh, liquors and stuff like that. You said you're very, you seem very confident about your tequilas. And mm-hmm. uh, does uh, has it ever come up that you? Uh, feel like that you're. I'm sorry if this insults you. it feel like a snob when it comes to tequila. Somebody orders something not necessarily from the bottom shelf, the generic maybe one shelf up, do you uh, say, do you kind of you know get chills a little bit or like, you know, you know we've got this other bottle right here, a little bit more expensive, but... No, 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 no.
0: No, I mean, anybody, I, I really am not, I really don't care what anybody wants to drink. I'm definitely not that kind of a bartender in general. If you like something, drink it. That's what you like. I don't care. Mm. You know, the only thing that bugs me is when somebody makes a comment that is completely untrue about tequila. Like the other day I was working some random event and there was some, um, I had just random tequilas. Um, like I had the, the Hornitos and um, I had Patron and Don Julio and something else. And it was all generic. And the girl like literally goes, well, what tequilas do you have? Oh, Hornitos? Oh no, that's ghetto. Like, no, mm. I, I'm not drinking that. Oh good, you have Patron. And I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Hornitos is not, you know, Patron is just as ghetto as Hornitos is, for one. Mm-hmm. It's completely commercialized. It's American-owned. You know, there's many other, it's like, me- so I don't know. So when somebody says something like that, I kind of want to school them and be like, mm, not really, it's <laughs> an American-owned brand, like South Hornitos is, it was actually really nice sipping tequila, so you, you, but you know what, at the end of the day, they're spending more money and that's fine. But at the end of the day, people are spending their own money, so they should drink what they enjoy. Yeah. If somebody asks me, I'll give my opinion, but no, I don't, I don't care. If somebody wants to drink whatever, you know, drink it.
1: Yeah, This goes back to the Red yes? Bull Louis XIV thing. Totally. You, know? <laughs> you like totally. it? Yeah. You want to spend the money on it? Literally
0: Seriously. drink whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. Um you know, if somebody has questions, I'm happy to answer them. But, but yeah, it's more of like, what I really like to do is school ignorant dudes that try and, and flex their little ego on me or other people. Like when I, on the last, I I worked in another Mexican restaurant here in San Diego and we had this new server and she was a younger chick and she was, oh, you know, little meek and mild, kind of a, kind of a new server. And this dude was, trying to belittle her. He was, what's that word? He was, uh, he was like talking down to her about tequila. Like, you know,
1: Yeah, I get get what you mean. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So he was talking down to her about tequila. And so she kept coming, like she was running to the bar. Well, he he said he wants this and he said he wants, he wants like a, he, he said he wants the best tequila we have, but, but, but I showed him the menu and he just said, bring me the best tequila you have. And, and I don't know what to give him. And I said, Okay, we'll go back to him and say uh, the best tequila we have is five hundred dollars. Did you want that shot for you and everybody at the table? You know. <laughs> and so she like, "Oh, oh, okay." So she goes and comes back. Oh no, he doesn't want that. He just wants something like in the fifty dollars price range. And I'm like, okay, so yeah, that's definitely not the best tequila that we have. But that's a really nicer mid grade type of tequila. So does he like silver reposado or añejo? She's like, oh, I, I don't know. And I'm like, okay, well, go ask him that. You know. Eventually this dude comes up and he's like, well, I like it. I like a silver tequila and I want this. And like, I was just asking her, like, you know, do you guys have like Patron? And I'm like, <laughs> oh my God. You know what I mean? Like, how are you going to like act like flexing on this young chick? Acting like, you know what you're talking about? All you want is Patron. Like, please. Yeah. You know, at least have some knowledge if you're going to do that to her. So then I kind of schooled him and. And was like, well, I mean, of course we have Patron, but I mean, if you want something basic, I can definitely give you basic tequila. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and I said that, you know, and he had some of his like little, you know, co-workers there with him or his clientele. He was like, no, I don't want anything basic. I was like, oh, okay, well, I mean, because you said Patron, so I didn't know what you meant because, you know, that's basic, you know, if you want, Something a little bit better, you know. We have Fortaleza or we have, you know, all whatever else we had and stuff. And he's like, "Oh, okay. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I guess I'll, I'll try that one." <laughs> okay. Yeah, of course. Yeah, I get it. And then he's like, "Chilled." And I'm like, "Oh, okay. You want your tequila chilled? Because usually we don't chill that."
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: yeah. You know, tequila's meant to be you not know, chill, room temperature and stuff. So, nah. Sometimes I enjoy doing that to people, but nah. Other than that, I just Drink whatever you
1: want. Drink. I've always wanted to do that to people. I've heard stories in all sorts of different uh, walks of life. Like th- this guy walks into a camera store and says, I want the best digital camera you want. And the guy without looking at from his magazine that he's reading, he says, fine, that'll be $20,000. And, you mm-hmm. know, the guy, his jaw drops to the ground and, sure. and ends up going home with like a $400 camera or something like
0: that. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I literally be like, yeah, we have this for, you know, for three, five hundred dollars, like, oh, wait, like, at one point, classy is the ultra, and that's gonna be 350 a shot for, for, uh, for one shot. <laughs> yep, one shot. Yeah, do you want that? <laughs> you
1: know, Ugh. but now you are,
0: yeah, uh, especially...
1: no, I'm sorry, go ahead, go ahead. No, finish your sentence.
0: Oh, no, especially just when these men have their little fragile ego. egos trying <laughs> to like flex in front of their guys, you know, and I'm just like. We don't play that game
1: here. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> um, oh. so now uh now along with your social media, you're uh you're trying uh you're trying to be a teacher. It's uh seems like a little bit. Mm-hmm. But you're also working events. Uh mm-hmm. so uh, it, uh are you're in charge of the events right now? Is that what you were saying?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I essentially Um, so for the event space that i work for i do their beverage director stuff so uh we've done some events where we've had clients that are going to do a cash bar and everything so then i'll purchase all the alcohol make sure we have all the mixers for everything like that um and then if i do other events um like private events you know i'll send them grocery lists and things but technically i don't have a liquor license yet so i'll give them a look i mean i'll give them a um a list on what to buy and then i'll just either supply the rest of the stuff or or tell them what to buy depends depending depending on the event and what they have going on what they want um yeah i'll make them specialty cocktails based on the flavors that they like um or or whatever kind of flavor profiling that they prefer for the event and make menu and and do all that but um uh but yeah i'm teaching the online cocktail classes like a virtual cocktail making class uh, on Thursdays at TikTok at 5 p.m pacific time and I'm practicing because we're waiting for COVID to blow over but I will be teaching in-person classes at at VASA and that's the event space that I mainly work for so I'll be teaching those at some point and so I wanted to get some good practice online uh, with with teaching the online classes and just kind of and they're they're a little bit more basic I I'm going to get a little bit more in depth, but I'm just kind of getting a feel for how they're going and and the type of class I want to teach and you know, how I want to teach I guess. Well, uh,
1: the social media platform that you've uh, developed, uh, it seems like it'd be a really great way to get, uh, get known, you know, so that if somebody would see your name and I remember Mm -hmm. that name, uh, maybe that's a class that I'd like to take, you know, just to experience or learn, uh, pick this person's brain. Because, yeah, you know, like, sure. like you've demonstrated throughout the show, you are very knowledgeable. And uh, some of the drinks that you've mentioned, I don't think I remembered how to make a pink lady once I graduated bartending school. <laughs>
0: pink squirrel. <laughs> or a pink squirrel, yeah. <laughs> I know. Uh, right.
1: But, I, I mean. Maybe
0: a pink lady for some of the drinks.
1: I mean, I, I upset a customer really bad one time because I uh, I put whiskey in a Tom Collins and he was mad. <laughs> but, yeah, but um,
0: if it was a whisper, Collins, that would have been fine.
1: But, uh, but anyway, so the uh, so the classes that you teach, you do it uh, on TikTok Wednesdays, five o'clock. They're a live show, so anybody mm-hmm. yeah. anybody can show up and commentary yeah. or anything like that. And do literally, it. I
0: I encourage it. I encourage questions, um, and I encourage commentary so that I can answer those questions. Um, but yeah, yeah, they're live, free, virtual classes. And um, usually on Tuesdays, today, uh, I forgot to release that video earlier, but um, usually on, on Tuesdays before the uh, Thursday class, I'll tell people what I'm going to make, what ingredients they'll need. Um, if they want to follow along live and make the cocktail with me at home, they can, and I'll take my time so that people can follow along, or they can just simply watch and, and get knowledge too. It's it's up to them. Mm-hmm. Um, just because right now it's, you know, it's just TikTok. But I, I do it on TikTok because I just have more followers, more engagement. It's it's just a little bit, you know, bigger and I have a wider audience.
1: So It's really easy in social media to get lost in the sea of people. And so that's great that you were able to stand out and, uh, you know, find some followers. Uh, I've got some pretty good followers on uh, TikTok, but... Uh, I think I get lost in uh, the sea of social media a little bit every once in a while. I mean.
0: Yeah, you, you really have to work on getting the hooks down, the yeah. the little psyche words. You know, like if you say you in the first few seconds, you get more engagement. If you get, like, use the word because it makes people feel like, oh, I should do that. Like, you know, if you want to watch, learn, you know, if you wanna want to learn how to bartend, you should watch this video because I'm going to teach you. Like that that sentence there is like pure engagement and some of those little psychological phrases that gets people to stay and watch the video and little things like that. And then using your hands to talk and, and do something so people are focused focus and fixated. Because TikTok's so quick, you know, it's such a swipey, swipey app so you have to like really just kind of engage and then keep them engaged and I don't know man like I said I'm figuring it out it's like oh and sometimes I put so much effort into some of my videos and they yeah. you know sometimes the ones that I spend no effort on they get a lot well, one time I did a stupid dating one about my Bumble profile um, about like a good a good sentence to send your Bumble dates and I got 500,000 views and oh. I was like <laughs> Stupid.
1: Uh, I, all my videos uh, are all there. I basically use TikTok to advertise the show uh, and it's never a video. It's just a clip with an audio, uh, audio bite from it. But, yeah. um, uh, but, uh, I've done other videos on the side. It took me a while to gain the courage to do that but it's mostly Mm -hmm. uh, like sarcastic comments that I remember making when I was a server or lines from movies or uh, Mm -hmm. I did a whole thing during October last year of uh, haunted restaurants and bars. And I, there there was a period of time where I was patting myself on the back for getting 300 views. But uh, all of a sudden one day I did uh, one of the movie lines that I wished I had said when I was a bartender Uh, where uh, it was a clip from blazing saddles where uh, you know uh, the sheriff says maybe you should eat something first and no food makes me sick or and what did the sheriff say something like man who drink like that and don't eat he is going to die and I got like 15,000 views I'm like what the hell did I do right (laughs) yeah I know it just randomly happens where you know it it catches
0: some engagement it's a little bit more entertaining than another one and That's what you have to look at. Like, okay, so what did I do right in this video? What exactly were the timings and this and the amount of time, like whether it's 15 seconds or less and, and that whole thing. And the, like the entrance. So, (laughs) but sometimes that's when I'll ask my sister and she'll be like, Oh yeah, that was a good one. You know, but sometimes it's good to stir up a little controversy or make a couple mistakes. Like recently I just did that quick test video uh, where I, teaching people how to do stuff and I'm talking about pouring into the jigger and how to count and I genuinely did make this mistake because I was talking so quick because you know sometimes I'm just rambling really quick and trying to get it out fast so I don't lose engagement by talking too slow or, or saying ums or anything so I said something like you know when you're counting you know if you have a half ounce you're going to count till two if you have one ounce you count until four you do an ounce and three quarters you're going to count till six obviously that's seven,
2: seven. Not six, but <laughs> I said
0: six right and then I said you know two ounces eight and I had a bunch of comments like, "Oh my god, it's seven! Oh my god, it's seven. <laughs> But that's—you actually want that, you yeah. know what I mean? So sometimes I, I leave mistakes in there purposely, and that helps engagement. So the more people are commenting and like saying stuff, even if they're kind of negative, because I definitely have some trolls. It and like, thanks for pushing my algorithm, you fuck. <laughs> <laughs>
1: the only, you know? the only. Normally, I don't get many comments on my, my videos, but the only negative comment when I uh, that I've gotten is a guy got mad at me that I didn't show the actual pictures of the ghosts in the haunted restaurants. And I sat there and went, you're an idiot. (laughs) Uh, I mean, really? (laughs) You thought I was going to show you pictures of actual ghosts. Uh, Okay. Whatever. But uh, you, thanks for watching the video, you know? (laughs)
0: Yeah. Yeah. you got to let some of those negative comments roll, roll off. And then just think of it as like, Hey man, he commented and it pushed your video a little bit more Hmm. because that's what it does. So, I mean, I've had a few shitty comments, but like, whatever. Yes. Let it go. Every video, every video that does decently. Well, you get a few shitty comments, like you're too old to bartend or, or you're some of them were like, Oh, you're a catfish or, they've, you know, called me some names. I don't even remember. I don't get accused lyrics, of
1: but, that. So <laughs> surprisingly, I don't yeah, get it. You're uh, too old for TikTok, but, uh, I don't get accused of being catfish, but, <laughs> yeah. but,
0: or, yeah, I did a makeup video once and that's when they said that, like, Ah. Uh. Uh, makeup to be illegal or whatever. And I was like, fuck you, you know. So <laughs> whatever, like I said, push is my engagement.
1: Sure. So what are your goals up, upcoming? Do you have anything that you are really looking forward to right now?
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, I would love to actually stop, like actually bartending the events and doing that. You know, I'd like to be able to hire people out to do that. Um, like I said, I'd like to be able to just kind of monetize my whole business so I have that kind of stream of income where I'm just having fun with it and uh, making money. And so, yeah, I mean, I'd love to I'm, I'm trying to hire a, a videographer and stuff help me with the training classes so that I can set that up so they're just online and they're downloadable. Um, keep doing the cocktail classes because that's fun for me. I mean, that, those are the things that I enjoy to do. I would love to just kind of do cocktail making classes and stuff like that. And I love to spread knowledge more than I like to just bartend an event, you know, because the the events aren't, aren't challenging for me. They're just good money. And so I don't mind doing them, but, um, you know, and I'd love to be able to have some staff to hire out so I can still keep the events going and, and make some money here and, and do all that. And that would be cool. Um, you know, as well as keeping up with, uh, some of that i mean ultimately my goal would be to have my own tequila or mezcal uh so some of the mezcal the problem with tequila is there's there's so many restrictions on tequila and it's becoming a little bit more scarce and over harvested and that's why mezcal is is becoming so much more popular because there's over 300 types of agave plants and you can only make tequila with blue weber agave whereas mezcal you can make with any agave not all of them are really viable but You can use any agave, and that's why mezcal is so popular. And traditionally, also because it was cheaper, the way that you cooked mezcal was they would dig these big pits and start a fire and cook the mezcal that way. Because obviously that's a lot cheaper than building a big oven and building all of that. And they smoke all the mezcal out, and then that's how they crushed it and, and made alcohol with but there's some there's no really rules or regulations on mezcal like there is tequila because tequila you know you have to cook it to a certain thing and distill it a certain way and so honestly what I would love to do is have a mezcal line that's made like a tequila but it's not a different type of tequila so honestly I would like to do that and then have kind of more of like a female owned tequila distillery and and but it more be a mezcal distillery but it's not necessarily smoky. Mm. Like maybe just distilled in a different way to give it an interesting flavor and to be a little bit different than the market. And like, that's something that I would love to do. Um, Among other things, you know, have my own liquor line would be so rad.
1: Sure. Sure. Yeah, Yeah. definitely. Well, we're coming up on last call right now. I appreciate you so much for being on the show. So if anybody wants to follow your videos or get a hold of you, how do they do that?
0: Uh, well, my handle on all my platforms is Molly Shakes It Up, uh, but you can also email me at MollyShakesItUp at gmail dot com. But I mean, honestly, if you message me on Instagram, it's it's I respond to those messages. On TikTok, I don't really get, I don't see messages from people. It kind of filters them out. But on Instagram, if you message me, I'll respond. But then on, uh, like I said, on my Gmail, on MollyShakesItUp at gmail dot com, you can email me too if you want. But I mean, you can always comment on a video. I try and keep up with it as much as possible, but yeah, you can always get a hold of me that way.
1: Great. Uh, once again, thank you so much for spending uh, time on Hey Bartender podcast. It's great to have you on here. Wish you good luck with everything that's uh, going on, and you know, all those goals that you set are completely attainable, and I believe you could act, you could do it without any problems. So, wow, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, it's, um, but thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thank you. All right, people, it is officially last call. Last call for alcohol. Come on up to the bar or you go home thirsty. Thank you so much to Molly Franklin for being on the show. You can catch her on Instagram and TikTok. Uh, Her username is at mollyshakesitup. Go check out her stuff. She's got a lot of great drinks, and she'll show you how to do it and do it right. Also, thank you to Laura Hope and the Arctones, as usual. They're one of the greatest rockabilly bands out there right now. Go check out their stuff on Spotify, Bandcamp, Apple Music, they're all over the place. Go find them. Go listen to more of their music because they got some really awesome stuff. Remember, people, if you want to be part of Hey Bartender Podcast, if you want to uh, support Hey Bartender Podcast, or you just want to leave me a message just to say hi, get on to anchor.fm and uh, search out Hey Bartender Podcast. they got the buttons on there. It'll tell you how to do it. Leave me a message. I would love to hear from some of the fans out there about Hey Bartender Podcast. And you get the chance also of being put on the show. So go to anchor.fm and help support Hey Bartender Podcast. And if you want to, leave a message. I'd love to hear from any one of you people out there. Uh, remember, you can follow me on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok. All of them are at Hey Bartender Podcast. You can message me there too. And if you want a Hey Bartender Podcast t-shirt or any other kind of swag that I have, limitedly, very limit limited, limited availability. I really stumbled on that, but I'm not going to edit it out because I'm that kind of guy. Uh, I got t-shirts. I got a challenge poker chip. Go to www.heybartenderpodcast.com and check it out. Remember people, if you want to be a part of Hey Bartender Podcast, all you have to do is send me an email or drop me a message on social media. My email is due to heybartenderpodcast.com or just message me on any of the social medias. Once again, it's at Hey Bartender Podcast. I'm always looking for new guests. If you are even a music group out there that wants a little bit of airtime on Hey Bartender Podcast, I'd be more than willing to play your music on the show. I haven't done that for a very long time, but I'd like to get back into that. Remember to keep listening to Hey Bartender Podcast. I got some new and groovy things coming up this year that you are going to want to check out. We've got some deals coming in from certain places. I'm not going to say now because I haven't squared up the deals yet. But you're going to want a part of this action. But until next time, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to wish all of you, as usual, lots of love, lots of sex, lots of happiness. And remember, don't take any shit from anyone. Good night. I think I need another drink. What do you mean it's Let's I just got
2: hit!